0: We're so glad that you're listening to The Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Good to see all of you today. Thanks for being in worship. If we haven't met before, my name is Colin. I'm the pastor here at Branches, and I'm so glad that you're here, especially as we start uh, this new series called In Houston As It Is in Heaven, kind of uh, casting our eyes on the horizon to kind of see with God's eyes this vision that God has, not just for us individually and not just for our families and not just for our neighborhoods, but in this city that we love, to believe that God has desires for the place that we live in, that God wants and wills things for the people of the city, that God sees the hurt and the heartache and the oppression in our city and wants us people that follow Jesus to be part of its healing and reconciliation. And so that's what we're going to talk about in these next few weeks before we start to make our way to Easter in that season. Uh, and so we're so glad that you're here as we start this new series for us to kind of dream together. That's what this is about. And so uh, before I read today's scripture, uh, I want to share just kind of a moment of personal privilege with you that when Branches launched back in September on our first Sunday morning services, my good friend Michael at a church across town in West Houston knew that it was happening and he knew how important it was on that first Sunday morning that we gathered on Sunday morning to pray for us. And I heard about this second hand and was so moved by another church in our city praying for branches that we would reach people in our city, that we would be a new community that could see healing and reconciliation, see transformation, to come to this table and hear the good news that God is with us. And so I wanna I want to pass along that goodwill offering that Michael gave back in September uh, to my good friend, Shuler. So my good friend, Shuler Sitch, another pastor in town, uh, he is starting, uh, he has been starting a new community up in the sci area, and they've been meeting on uh, Sunday nights, but this morning is their very first Sunday morning as a community together. Uh, they don't quite have a name yet. I told him there's already a vine, and there's branches, that fruit was up for grabs. Um, LAUGHTER he declined. <laughs> uh, so we'll pray for that too, that they find a, a name that suits this new community because they're, they're creating this community out of people that have left their churches and now are looking for something new. And I'm just so grateful to know Shuler and so excited about this work that he's doing in Sci-Fair. They're meeting at a middle school this morning. And so as we pray this morning, I also want to pray for Shuler and for that new community that they're doing something similar to us uh, to reach new people in our city. And I'm so grateful for his leadership. I want to pray for him this morning. So let's pray together. I want to read some familiar words to you of Jesus, Jesus' disciples in Matthew's gospel, this biography of Jesus from the first century. They've asked him how to pray. And we'll actually come back to the scripture during the season of Lent uh, to talk about prayer. But I'm going to read just this one passage, this one portion of Jesus' advice on how to pray. And it's a prayer then that Christians have been saying together and praying together. And this morning we'll pray all over the world for centuries. And so hear these words from Jesus in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. He says this Pray like this Our Father who is in heaven. Uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we've wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Are you saved? If you want, to come forward, we can make it happen. You know, kneel, we'll pray over you, we like do a little baptism, are you saved? You guys been asked if you've been saved before? You guys get that question? Uh, maybe you're out in a public place and someone's got a sign and a bullhorn and they wanna know if you're gonna escape the wrath to come, are you saved? You gotta get saved, you could die tomorrow. Where would you go, are you saved? This kind of pressing, urgent question, are you saved? And I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, and so a lot of the churches and a lot of my peers who are Christians, that was a common question. And just so you know, kind of the Christian family we're a part of, uh, the Methodist, a lot of them didn't think that we were, (laughs) you know. Uh, Are you saved? There was a guy I went to high school with who had a belt buckle, which from far away looked really cool, up close, not as cool. Uh, Capital letters, it just said, saved. Um, And if that wasn't enough... Uh, he asked the question, you know, are you saved? And convenient enough for him to be saved was not just you know, giving your life to Jesus, but was, um, you know, again, convenient for him to go to his church <laughs> and read the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, so he was, we weren't, uh, and his b- belt buckle reminded us every week, you know, are you saved? And and I think that question is important Depending on the way that we ask it, how, how are you saved? Who's doing the saving? When I was a kid, when I got that question, I was like, saved from what? Is there something I should be worried about, you know? Are you saved? And I think for the most part, now, if I'm asked that question on an airplane or in public by someone shouting on a street corner or by a Christian peer or something like that, I'd of course say yes. And yeah, one, because you know, I have given my life to Jesus, But two, I don't want to have the conversation. (laughs) Uh, Because everybody has a particular vision of what it means to be saved. And more often than not, that vision that maybe you carry of what it means to be saved is unlike the person asking you. Like most of the time when that question is asked, are you saved? They're asking because they're like, I want you to come along for the ride that I'm on. I want you to be in the particular brand of following Jesus that I'm a part of. I want you to adhere to and check off the boxes of all these tenets of what I believe. And if you're one off, you're not. There's kind of this in and out category. Are you saved or are you not? There's a particular vision of what it means to be saved. And all of us have one. Even if we're not religious, we have a particular vision of what it means for our life to be redeemed, to be changed, to be transformed, to be saved. To be saved from uselessness or unimportance or from inattention. What does it mean? To be saved, and a good friend in seminary, Parker, and he was part of a church a particular tradition that did have a specific specific vision of what it meant to be saved, and his parents and his mother in particular were burdened for Parker to go forward at the end of the service and give his life to Jesus to weep tears over his sin, to feel bad for who he was. And he was like eight or nine years old. And he like, what did he have to be forgiven for? I don't know. Uh, and Parker, great guy, incredibly smart. He's a hospital chaplain now. Uh, he was kind of a rambunctious kid. And in, in church, uh, every week, they'd have like a 45-minute sermon. Uh, and Parker could tell the cadence of his pastor's voice, like he's landing the plane. He's getting done. Uh, and he would start to get antsy and he'd start talking and he'd start filling with his uh, like, piece of paper and a pen and he'd start making noises. He'd start rolling around in the pew and his mom would give him the eye. Uh, maybe it's happening in this place today. I don't know. They seem like a pretty chill bunch. I used to get the eye too. Uh, my parents grew up Church of Christ. We would be like very somber and quiet uh, and my mom used to give it to me and then I went to church with my grandma. She also gave it. And I know where my mom got it from, you know. Uh, Be quiet, you know, calm down. Church is happening. This is a special, somber moment. You're supposed to be pious and holy. Uh, And Parker, in that moment, got the eye from his mom. So every week, like the pastor would be landing the plane, and he would start to kind of get antsy because he was going to get to leave church. He didn't really want to be there, and his mom would get a, give him the eye, and he'd get in big trouble, maybe get a spanking or something. And at the same time, it was paired with this, like you know, his mom maybe thinking, if you just got saved, you know, we wouldn't have this problem. If you just at the end of the service, instead of you know getting all antsy, if you just go up there and give your life to Jesus, it'd be time. Uh, Parker didn't like getting in trouble, none of us do. And one Sunday, the pastor was landing the plane. And it was like Pavlovian, just this like natural response. Parker started to get antsy and he started to talk. He started to roll around in his seat. He started to make some noise. And his mom gave him the eye and kind of in his stress and worry, he didn't want to get in trouble. He didn't want to get a spanking. He knew there was only one way out of the situation. He looked at his mom and said, it's time. <laughs> and Parker, to avoid punishment, went to the front and gave his life to Jesus. And I think just overwhelmed with the emotion, like, I did it, I fooled her. You know, the pastor like hands the mic, puts it in Parker's face. Do you believe Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? Do you, do you confess all your sins? Do you wanna live a life for Jesus? Do you wanna give everything to Jesus? Do you wanna give everything over? Do you wanna be saved? And Parker's like, yes, yes, I don't wanna get in trouble. It's time. Parker, in that moment, though it wasn't salvific spiritually, had a vision of what it meant to be saved from the wrath of mom. (laughs) It was different from his mom's vision for him of what it meant to be saved. And, I mean, I don't know the next part of the story, but we can guess there were probably weeks where saved Parker acted just the same. (laughs) Are you saved? And has it had an impact in your life? Has it changed who you are? I think Jesus, we read this prayer and we read Jesus' teachings, has a particular vision of what it means to be saved. So we, we hear Jesus, this is the common English, so it's a little different than we're used to. The disciples have asked him, how should we pray? How should we orient ourselves and posture ourselves toward God and conversation with God? And Jesus says this, pray like this. I'm gonna zero in on these first couple of verses. Pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. There's two things there. God's kingdom, Greek word baselia, and his will, God's desire, what God wants. And the posture in prayer, what Jesus says to pray, what Jesus prays we hear in the New Testament, Jesus is praying even now, your kingdom come, your will be done. We'll pray it later in the service today when we come to this table. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And if you were to ask somebody, okay, the object of Jesus' preaching, when Jesus was here on earth, what was his primary object? Number one on a list of the things he talked about the most, what did he talk about? And that's kind of a litmus test of what you think about Jesus. Some people would say love, it's up there. Second is money, it's up there. But the primary object of Jesus' teaching, Jesus' focus, what Jesus pointed people to over and over and over again, he would begin sentences this way, the kingdom is of God is like blank." we get these beautiful parables. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Or the kingdom of God is like a woman who had a necklace of these coins and she lost one of her coins and she searched for it. Or the kingdom of God is like a shepherd who lost a sheep. Or the kingdom of God is like a man who had two sons. The kingdom of God is like. And whatever that kingdom is, whatever these vivid pictures Jesus paints, he prays in his prayer and tells his disciples, his followers, like us to pray, that kingdom, that picture, that vision, your kingdom Come, may it be here, may it approach us. Jesus even says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you, it's near, it's present. But at the same time, it's far off. It's not totally present, it doesn't totally match the reality we find ourselves in now. It's divided from the the place that we live in because of the hurt and the pain that we see. The kingdom of God is over there, but it's also right here. Your kingdom come, or as the CEB puts it, bring in your kingdom. Maybe you've heard it said like this that, you know, uh, it's not just about punching your ticket. Like, I prayed the prayer, I cried, I confessed my sins, I'm in. You know, I'm riding on this train, Jesus is the ticket taker, he's gonna come down the aisle, and I'm gonna have a ticket. Maybe that's your vision for what it is. But Jesus' vision is not. Uh, let's get ourselves to heaven, but it's let's get heaven to us. Your kingdom come. And then second, your will be done. It's, it's a thing that I think we know, but it's helpful to remind us that God wants some stuff, <laughs> God wants the world to be a particular way. God wants to rule over the world in a particular way. In fact, that's what the kingdom means. That's what it means to say God has a kingdom is he wants to organize the way people and creation work together and he wills and desires things for the ways that happens. So he wants things to happen. But I think we have to confess, I think we have to know, I think we have to admit the truth that God doesn't always get what God wants. And we would say the reason that God doesn't always get what God wants is because um, He created creatures that could resist Him. He created people that could say no. He could create creatures that would get antsy in the seat and try to escape uh, attention at any cost. And your kingdom come, your will be done. Not us getting to heaven, not beam me up, Scotty, pie in the sky by and by, but like God, you could bring your kingdom to earth today. Dallas Willard says, um, "Do you want to go to heaven?" It's a rhetorical question. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to go to heaven? And he says, "Go today. Heaven is simply where God is. It's it's cleaning off the antennas." It's making our awareness more keen and present. It's opening our eyes to see the ways that God is already present and actually already working to see his kingdom come into the world. And we catch glimpses of it all the time. It's not about punching our ticket to get into heaven. It's being aware of the heaven that's already here now and taking part in it. and and participating in it and walking with God in it and asking God, yielding, surrendering, saying, God, I wanna be part of your vision for the kingdom. I want your view of salvation, of what it means to be saved to be my view, to be my perspective, to be the way that I see the world. Do you wanna go to heaven? Go today, heaven is simply where God is. And there's, there's so many ways in our city as we think about this series that, that heaven does come to earth. I think about just like a simple way, that last week after worship, uh, the weather wasn't as nice so we, we had tacos in here and just to see the conversations and the connections between people in what people say is the most diverse city in America and people meeting each other and having conversation. We, we look at the, the vision God has in Revelation, for instance, of people from all nations, of all backgrounds, worshiping and sitting at the table with God together. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God wants and desires for the world to be that way. Not when we die, not when we go to the next world, but this world to be that way. Or I think about the Shambaya Amani, the Farm of Peace, and A-Leaf, a, a mission partner of ours, FAM. That these women come to this country and they have to navigate this convoluted, complicated system, and they partner together to empower one another, and by the the partnership of the church, are able to be lifted up, to, to cooperate, to collectively work, to see literal fruit grow from the ground and also fruit come to their lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Or Second Cup, who we partnered with during Advent and Christmas, to see this hub, unfortunately, in our country of Houston, this hub of trafficking. And see people rescued from that, freed from that, taken from that. And because of our financial gifts and our attention to it, we pray with our hands, we pray with our action, we pray with our money, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. We see opportunities all around us in small and large ways to pray that prayer, not just rote and in ritual and repetition but in the way that we posture ourselves toward God. Jesus says, pray this way. God, what you want, make it what I want. Change my desires, change my vision. Give me a burden of love for my city. Give me a burden of love for my neighborhood. Help me see Houston the way that you see it, and its potential, and its opportunity, your desires for it. God, make me want what you want, ultimately. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Do you have that vision? I think what it means to be saved, if we're to answer yes to that question, what it means to be saved is to be saved from our pessimism and apathy. That like, things can change. That there is enough. That we can be part of something good in the world. Are you saved? Yes, I don't want pessimism and apathy anymore. Are you saved? Does it it mean that we can reconcile and and forgive one another like Jesus forgave and we talked about a few weeks ago to to give it to Jesus? Are you saved? Yes. I don't want to be in in conflict with people around me anymore. Are you saved? Yes. Can your life be changed? Yes. Are you saved? I think about Parker a lot. He's, He's doing incredible work in ministry now to be with people who are maybe in the most important parts of their lives. The birth of a child a surgery that could go one way or another, the end of life of someone, someone in deep pain and heartache, someone who's been in an accident, someone who's had some trauma in their life, physical and mental and spiritual, and he he sits with them. And somebody like Parker, who all those years ago, (laughs) maybe mimed being saved, could be, in in my estimation, the most saved person I know. Because he devoted his life to sit alongside people and say with them probably pray this prayer, but also in his action and the the way that he's given his life over, God's kingdom come, God's will be done, doesn't desire any pain or suffering, desires us to be in community, desires us to be with one another in our heartache and in our pain and to lift one another up. That's what it means to be saved. And so with Dallas Willard and with Christians of the past and as a community together, and I think about Schuler down the street in Fair, we, we look on the horizon and we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And whatever it means to be saved, whatever it means to see your heaven come to earth, not just give me entry to your heaven somewhere down the line, make it so. Make me a passionate visionary for it. Give me the energy and the encouragement to, to lead others in it. Give me the optimism that God has for the world—that He's not going to throw it away. Again, the vision that we see is a God who renews and reconciles all things in all of creation, in every corner of the universe. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in Houston as it is in heaven. It's time. (laughs) Let's get saved. Let's pray.